Welcome to Ahead in the Cloud, where business leaders share what they've learned on their cloud journey. I'm Chad Watt, Emphasis Knowledge Institute researcher and writer, here today with Ankur Shah, Senior Vice President at cybersecurity firm Palo Alto Networks. Anchor is responsible for Prisma Cloud, Palo Alto's cloud-native security offering. We're talking security in the cloud today. Anchor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad, for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. We're talking about cloud and security. Cloud is great, and companies can do so much more with it. Cloud keeps getting better, but it also gets more complex. So if I give you 100 multinational companies that are using cloud, how many of those have a clear assessment of their security vulnerabilities? This is going to be a bunch, not a scientific answer, but what I can tell you, I've been in this business for over six years now. And while the security teams have a little bit more awareness than it was six years ago, where they, they recognize that the developers are leveraging public cloud to lift and shift or build applications that are in cloud data, I think there's still a lot of blind spots. The average conversation I have with the CISOs is still, I don't know what's going on in the cloud. I don't know what we're doing towards security. They have some controls in place, but there are many blind spots. Um, so, you know, I would say if you were to survey 100 CISOs, uh, 80% would say, I think I've got some understanding, but there's a whole lot of stuff that I have no idea. Backing up a little bit, how many can give you just a full inventory of what they're doing in the cloud? Yeah, I think what you will find out is a lot of the CISOs and customers have an awareness of the cloud providers that are in use. I think that's not a problem. I think most should be able to know if they have AWS, Azure, GCP, Oracle, IBM. I mean, there's always a notion of shadow or cloud where developers are spinning up uh, clouds uh, off of their credit cards. But, you know, most of them know because uh, some of that decisions are now getting centralized. What they don't know is specifically what cloud services are being used, how are the applications deployed in the cloud, what are the risks introduced in every stage of the app life cycle. The in-depth understanding is why, you know, they bring in Palo Alto and Prisma Cloud to at least do an assessment of what's going on. I was given two big lies in cloud recently, and I wanted to see if you agree with these. And is this all of these? One, security is somebody else's problem. And two, Cloud is going to solve security for me. Agree, disagree, build on those two? I disagree with that fundamentally. On the first one, you know, security is a shared responsibility between not just the cloud providers, but the dev and the sec teams. The security teams can't just do all of that stuff on their own. They can write the security guardrails, but ultimately the dev teams are responsible as much for securing their applications and infrastructure. So that's number one. Number two, the cloud providers, I mean, there's a shared responsibility model that's fairly well defined. Well, cloud providers can take care of the you know, physical security and at the infrastructure and operating system level. But the stuff that goes into cloud infrastructure, your applications, your data, that is not cloud provider's responsibility. That is customer's responsibility. And this kind of hybrid multi-cloud world, you have a primary cloud, you have a secondary, a tertiary cloud, and you have some stuff that's on-premises that's never going to migrate anywhere. Yeah. How does that contribute to these security blind spots? So first, just take a step back, Chad. What we're seeing is in the hybrid world, there are sort of broadly speaking, three classes of customers. Customers who have completely moved to the cloud, 100%, you know, they said shut down the data center. Those are still in minority, like you said. Number two is sort of this hybrid, but even then, customers who are trying to take advantage of the modern CI/CD pipeline containers and Kubernetes, 
but they have some sort of workloads in data center, but they're still using OpenShift and other technology to still leverage the modern CI-CD pipeline to shift applications faster. And the third class is they still just have a lot of legacy applications and deployment in, in hybrid cloud. So customers have a spectrum of all this, and it is difficult. The customer in the second bucket, which are still using containers, Kubernetes to modernize the application, taking advantage of the modern tooling, etc. For them, it's easier to have consistent security in hybrid as well as multi-cloud type environment because they can apply similar security control. But if they've got legacy infrastructure and modern infrastructure, it's difficult. They have to use two sets of tools. For legacy infrastructure, is just the traditional network security or traditional endpoint security, host security tools. But more cloud-native stuff, you know, they reach out to Prisma Cloud to do what we call code-to-cloud security. So it's difficult, to be honest. But like I said, customers are getting more savvy, and I'm seeing more and more customers in that second bucket. Whose responsibility is it when you're security provider or security advisor? Whose responsibility is it to check for the blind spots? Ultimately, the board and the CEO wants a single neck to choke, and that's CISO, right? So ultimately, it's CISO's job to make sure that uh, their applications are secure, that data is protected. That's it, right? But like I said, one of the things that folks don't often understand is that the game is lopsided in favor of dev teams. You know, there are over 33 million developers, less than 3 million security professionals. The people who actually know cloud and security in the security organization are probably less than 10,000. So, I mean, how, how the hell is this sort team supposed to keep up with the pace of innovation and new stuff that developers are bringing? So, yes, it's the source responsibility, but I mean, it's tough. I feel for them. So, developers know cloud. Security guys know security in the kind of IT CIO on-prem press, you know, legacy system context. How do you get those security guys schooled on cloud, schooled on cutting edge, you know, caffeinated developer cloud? It's not an easy, it's something that the customers and the CISOs often ask me like, hey, look, how do I do this? And I have a few simple recommendations for them. One is pay the top dollar to hire the folks who understand the dev and DevSec. Not that many available, but uh, do that. Retrain the existing folks, get them to get certified in AWS and GCP and Azure, security and dev certification. You have to do that. You have to retrain people. And ultimately, you want to start building a practice where you understand cloud a little bit more. And the reason, Chad, this is important is that when you then go to the dev team and say, hey, I want you to fix this problem, you have a lot more credibility. The developers will know, like, you know cloud, you know what you're talking about. And once you build that trust between the teams, then the developers will start doing what you have to do. So that's sort of one aspect. The second one is a lot of the modern application development team, they have a what's called DevSec function. So, you know, you talked about how do you have the centralized security team and learn cloud. But nowadays, the dev teams who didn't know security as much have introduced a sec function. So they become the conduit between the apps team and the centralized security organization. Right. We have DevOps and now we have DevSecOps. Correct. Can you talk about an instance where you've really seen DevSecOps you know, shine or really deliver? It's aspirational. You hear the term, but have you seen DevSecOps in work and really delivering? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you have a DevSec function, these folks are generally SRE DevOps. They are engineers by craft. They understand how to build, how to deploy, et cetera. 
they get certified or trained in security, but it's much easier to teach somebody security if you are a developer than the other way around. Why is that? Oh, because if you're an engineer, you know, once you know how to code, you understand how the pipeline works, then it's just a matter of learning what are the security guardrails that they are in place. It's much easier to train them on security stuff and make sure that every step of the application pipeline, they're securing the infrastructure and the apps. The challenge though, Chad, is that if I am a large enterprise, I'm a financial institution, I'm a large healthcare provider, I've got hundreds of apps. And if I have 100 DevSec function, I mean, like, who the hell is doing the auditing? Remember, the board is wants a single leg to choke, the CISO. And you can't have this function decentralized. We live in an interesting world now where CISOs are still responsible for this, although a lot of the ownership of fixing problems lies within DevSec. So they have to do periodic auditing, checks and balances, break bears, things of that nature. And customers are at a different level of maturity, which is a topic we can talk about later in the conversation. You keep mentioning the single neck to choke. I guess that's the question, the answer to who should own security in the cloud. Correct. Where should the CISO sit? Where should this chief information security officer sit in an organization? And who should be at the table with that CISO? It's an excellent question. Before I answer that, you know, I have seen all variations. I have CISOs reporting directly to CEOs. Um, have CISOs reporting to CIOs. In some odd cases, CFO because there's a budget. I have seen CISOs reporting to the chief product folks, chief product officer, CPO. And there are different models, there are different pros and cons, because if you're in the centralized organization under IT or CIO, you can take care of the application security as well as the corporate and IT security, right, all together. The best model, uh, in my view, is when the CISO is reporting to the product development organization. So that means, you know, if you've got, if you've got a large enterprise with a whole bunch of R&D teams, if you've got a CPO, uh, if the CISO reports to CPO, you can do product security significantly better. There is not as much politics and problem between two organizations because you're part of the same org structure. It's much easier to have a conversation with the DevSec and the development team because you're part of the same leader. And we've seen a lot of success with that, but that's a minority today. That generally does not happen where they're, they're in the R&D organization. And that's, I think that's the right model. So development keeps moving faster and faster, and the developers are encouraged to move faster and faster. How can security keep pace or catch up? Yeah, look, I will break it down into three simple steps that the security team, especially in cloud, can follow. I call it the you know cloud security maturity model. It's super simple. I think the first step is for the cloud security practitioners to get visibility into visibility and control into what's happening in cloud, first of all. Understand you can't protect what you don't see. So you got to have understanding what cloud services are in use, what's risky. You know, you have misconfigured resources, vulnerabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Get a highly prioritized list of stuff that is broken. So in the first step, what do I have? What's broken? Help me fix it. Simple stuff. Then what the security team have to do is take that list and work with the dev teams in the second phase is to, to ask them to fix those problems. But in that, they ought to have a conversation uh, with the dev team and say, hey, now that you understand what these problems are, would you like to secure by design? That's the second phase. And secure by design is, I'm going to ensure that security is embedded as part of the development lifecycle. You're basically bringing security where the dev teams are. 
It's a second phase because it does require working with the dev teams. It's not hard. You have to break builds. You have to have guardrails and controls in place, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And the last is what we call runtime protection. That phase basically is where what could go wrong in our business does go wrong. And you need active prevention and detection technology so that if the bad actors are trying to exploit a vulnerability, you can block it. Bulk of the customers I talk to, they are still in the first zone lane, first phase. Visibility and control. What do I have? What's broken? Tell me the most important thing. I got to fix it and then help me fix it. That's it. Right. And that's that kind of question of finding the blind spots. Exactly. I suppose the only thing worse than blind spots is the known misconfigurations. You have known vulnerabilities that don't get patched. I'm thinking of solar winds in this case or something, you know, where there's a known vulnerability that could be addressed and doesn't get addressed. How do you get to the point where that is just a, a habit, just automatic? How do you get to the point where when a blind spot is realized, you actually address it? You know, it's a good question. And this is why I said secure by design is your only option, your only hope in the cloud world. The whack-a-mole approach of I found a problem in cloud and then I'm going to open up a ticket for my dev team to fix it and it's going to take a couple of weeks and I'm going to have a hammer. Like it's just, it's not sustainable. By the way, if I've got a vulnerability production right now and I try to patch it, guess what's going to happen two weeks later? A new release comes along and you have introduced a new vulnerability. With the modern application stack, you could write a hello world app and you'll have a whole bunch of vulnerabilities in the app. What are you going to do? So the developers are building new apps. They're doing new new releases. By the time you're done patching it, it's introduced again. So, you know, what the industry calls shifting left, as you can see on my shirt, which I think your audience scanned, it says shift happens. Shift happens. Secure from code to cloud. The key operative word is secure from code, meaning bring security in the code pipeline early on when the developers are in their IDEs, uh, when the code goes to your source code repo, when the code moves through your CI CD pipeline, and then ultimately when it goes into production. That's the only way to do it. We're just recording audio for the audience, but I did take a picture so we can upload that in the show notes. So <laughs> I got a good shot of you there. So we'll, we'll be good on that front. Let me come back to Prisma Cloud very quickly and uh, take me, Ankur, through what Prisma delivers, what Palo Alto and Prisma deliver, and what the obligations are with the client, with the CISO and down the line. Just a little bit of history on how this whole thing came about. I've been in security for over a decade and over time, you know, initially I built mobile security product and SaaS security and CASV, et cetera. And then I joined a startup that this, this public cloud security that Palo Alto Networks acquired. One of the things that four years ago I kind of saw was the industry was in the process of repeating the sins of the past by having multiple tools and technologies now, you know, do cloud security. What do I mean by that? There was the CSPM misconfiguration stuff. There was a virtual protection, one management, identity, data security. Uh, so cloud security alone, there was an ecosystem of vendors developing, hundreds of them, literally. And then if you think about the code phase of the development, there were already a whole bunch of incumbents and new and newer coming in. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, for, for modern AppSec practices. And our vision was, from the get-go, that enough is enough. We can't have customers be leveraging eight or 10 different tools to secure their applications. It just can't happen. So we had to take a very audacious goal over four years ago. We acquired a whole bunch of company. Palo Alto has dropped over a billion dollars in acquiring companies and building a whole bunch of stuff organically to build out what, what's known as Prisma Cloud, which is now code to cloud security. 
it is the most comprehensive CNAP platform on planet. Um, and we're light years ahead of where the market is. But ultimately, it's all in service of helping our customers. Our customers need help. They don't want multiple tools. They don't want operational burden. If there is a vulnerability in production, they want to trace it back to the code because they want to fix the source of the issue. They don't want multiple tools. And that's how Prisma Cloud, that's been our mission. Uh, you know, basically, we want to prevent application breaches from code to cloud. It's a very simple thing um, uh, that we want customers to understand. We want bad actors out. And we believe that the only way to do it is through code to cloud. So that's got a little bit of a journey. Uh, we're now leader in the space, recognized by Forrester and uh, uh, other top-tier analyst community. Uh, but there's a lot of work to do. Our customers need help, and our, we're going to keep chipping away at, at adding to our platform to ensure that they have what they need to secure their applications. Do you think that the revelation that came with generative AI about the power that AI has and the potential, you know, the potential for good, the potential for bad actors to really use AI to break into anything and everything, has that helped your discussions around security, help people think more seriously about their security situation? Absolutely. I think, you know, this is top of mind for a lot of customers and you can leverage generative AI, not language models for good use and the, the bad actors are going to use it for the bad purposes, introduce new malware, initiate the new next set of supply chain attack. You can ask ChatGPT to give you all the different ways you can have a supply chain attack and I think they're going to get easier. Auto GPT, you can automate all that stuff as well. We live in an interesting world. You're going to have hundreds of open source LLM model that somebody can use. Customers can use it inadvertently. And if you have a malicious piece of open source code, I mean, you can lose your IT, right? And different customers are dealing it with different ways. Some are just blocking chat GPT and other AI technology. And I'm not sure if that's the right response. But I feel for that, right? Because it's just unknown, unknown. Ultimately, you know, look, those of us who are building security product, we are optimists. We always think that the only solve for the bad guy with a chat GPT is a good guy with chat GPT or AI, right? It is our responsibility to build the next-gen technology, leveraging generative AI and other to ensure that we're giving our customers a superior security outcomes. Thank you for your time today, Ankur. Yeah, been a pleasure. Thank you, Chad. This podcast is part of our collaboration with MIT Tech Review in partnership with Emphasis Cobalt. Visit our content hub on technologyreview.com to learn more about how businesses are moving from cloud chaos to cloud clarity. Be sure to follow Ahead in the Cloud wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more details in our show notes and transcripts at emphasis.com slash IKI. That's in our podcast section. Thanks to our producers, Catherine Burnett, Christine Calhoun, and Yulia Dabari. Joe Bigley is our audio technician. I'm Chad Watt with the Emphasis Knowledge Institute signing off. Until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.